You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hello and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCart. And welcome back this week. I hope you have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Is it still fucking cold out? It is miserable here too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a lovely brunch beer, so Oh. I'm drinking. Yeah. It's got berries. It tastes like granola kind of. So So it's probably healthy. That's what I got out of that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got a lot of energy in them sugars and whatnot. So <laughs> I'm very, very happy about that. So when you're done here, you'll push your car to the store, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this week. We're going to cover Undercurrent, The Disappearance Mm -hmm. of Kim Wall. This was on HBO, just came out in 2022, Mm -hmm. I think just in March. And it's two episodes long, about an hour each episode. This documentary was directed by Aaron Lee Carr. Now, Aaron Lee Carr also directed Britney vs. Spears, Mm -hmm. How to Fix a Drug Scandal, At the Heart of Gold, which is the USA Gymnastics Scandal, I Love You Now Die, Mommy Dead and Dearest. So all of the most recent amazing documentaries that have come out are by her, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Quite a pedigree. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's Erin, of course. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> of course. She's amazing. She's an Erin. I agree. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, this is two episodes, and it kind of covers the first one they call part one, the crime, and the second one is part two, the punishment. I don't know that we'll necessarily separate them out as such, but. Sure. It is what it is. And this covers, like it says, the disappearance of Kim Wall. Kim Wall was a journalist, a Swedish journalist. She was a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a pretty well-known case. I first yes. heard about it actually on My Favorite Murder, the podcast. Yeah. And then there is also a, a show, a drama show that is on HBO that covers this as well. Um, and I'll kind of talk about it at the end because I think everyone should watch it. It was really well done. Okay. Yeah. So... This one, I don't know, it's one of those that, to tell the story in a engaging way, they kind of jump around a little bit, but the crime itself took place in 2017, on August 10th. Mm-hmm. So the characters, let's lay those out now. So Kim Wall, um, that you mentioned, she's a freelance journalist. There's also Peter Madsen, who is a Danish inventor. He's the inventor, uh, builder of the UC3 Nautilus, which is a privately owned submarine. So that's pretty important for the story. Mm-hmm. So Kim Wall went to Columbia Journalism School. She also went to school in London for a bit because she there are several friends, journalist friends and former schoolmates of hers that talk during this documentary. And so she went to, to college. She went to grad school for journalism. Yep. And that's what she did at Columbia so they have one of her former professors on, Sandy mm-hmm. Podway. Yep. And he was a Columbia University professor. Mm-hmm. And and he was talking about, of course, she's going to be great. You always knew it was going to be great. Of course, they say that stuff. Anyway, but sure. one of the things he said that really, I don't know, he said, as a journalist, you want to enlighten the public. You want to tell stories that enrich people's lives and make it easier for them and then bring the truth about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that just idealized journalism or is that what all of them go to school and want to do until they get out into the real world and five minutes later they're like well no we need more clicks or we need more money or we need more whatever it doesn't seem to work that way very often anymore well I mean that might be the the theoretical journalism like you go into journalism because you want to share the truth right but mm-hmm. when you get out in the real world and you understand it's more complex than that so you have to mm-hmm. kind of be able to play the game and kind of keep your moral compass and then also be successful. So there's, there's probably a little bit of give and take there. Right. And I think those journalists mm-hmm. who actually have a moral compass probably adhere to this better, but a lot of them don't. So. Yeah. And it may be because they're freelance, maybe they have a little bit more, I don't know, uh, ability. So you're, you know, you're not just trying to churn out stuff all the time. I'm sure that that's part of it for them as well, but mm-hmm. I don't know if the, what the quota is for somebody that's doing freelance work as much as, you know, right. folks that are 
on staff somewhere. I always feel like they're the ones who get kind of stuck with this clickbait bullshit stuff. So yeah, that might not be true. I think as a freelancer, you kind of make that decision on how, what stories you want to do, how many you want to do. And that's something that her friend, Tim McDonald had discussed that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not easy to be a freelancer. You have to find a way to sell the stories to different magazines or newspapers or whatever it's just more difficult because it's not a guaranteed paycheck, right? You might think the story's right. interesting, but you might not be able to get anyone else to agree with you. Yeah. And not only that, you have to be able to shoot it yourself and get there mm-hmm. and do all kinds of stuff. So really, it's a bit of cobbling together a lot of different skill sets to be able to make a successful mm-hmm. story this way. So I right. thought that was really interesting. They showed a lot of footage of her in all kinds of different situations, kind of trying to you know bring light to her stories and I thought that was cool and she went to North Korea she Mm -hmm. was all over the place they did a lot of really I don't know I I just I liked the way they portrayed her in this from her work so I thought you know you get a little sense of her personality and that kind of stuff I would say she's pretty determined person you know she didn't seem to be scared of a lot of different things I mean she wasn't a woman that was a freelance journalist and so there's inherent some danger that she dealt with. Mm -hmm. So she seems like kind of a badass. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what her friends had kind of talked about the fact that she went into situations and every female journalist, okay. Every female period goes into Mm -hmm. situations and has to assess the danger as a female journalist. This is your job. So you assess the danger, but a lot of times you have to go anyway and just take more Mm -hmm. precautions. She had put herself in some very dangerous situations. Like you said, North Korea, they had talked about going to, I want to say Bikini Atoll or wherever they have the nuclear mm-hmm. waste storage. Yeah. A friend had described a time when they had just graduated college and they both moved to Delhi. Not together, mm-hmm. separately, but they met up while they were there mm-hmm. and became good friends. And they were going to go out to eat one night. And instead of going to some mainstream restaurant, she took them to the scary part of town to go to this hole in the wall Korean restaurant that was amazing. Mm-hmm. But it was somewhere that most people wouldn't have gone because it's in a less desirable part of town. But she was just like, no, we have to go here and eat this food. It's, you know, she was going to live her life and not let that inhibit her. And I think that's pretty badass, like you say. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you want to, do you want to transition to Peter now? Well, I was just going to say that she, she's from Sweden, Mm -hmm. but she was living in Copenhagen with her boyfriend. They Mm -hmm. were also getting ready to move to China. They don't kind of discuss why. I don't know if it was his job or her job or what, because she kind of traveled all over for work. Yes. But Copenhagen is really close to Sweden. If you look on the map, like there's just a little bit of water in between. (laughs) Right. So she was still fairly close to her family right there. And also Mm -hmm. these are considered a couple of the safest countries in the world. Yeah. So you definitely get the sense that her radar really wasn't up. You know, there wasn't a lot of expectation of Mm -mm. danger in in the situations that she's going into around here. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't want to talk a whole lot about him because I don't feel like he deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> that I hate that they get so much visibility, right? I think that's just, you know, one of those things because, you know, he was famous in his own right. Like she was an up and comer and he was, mm-hmm. he had sort of established fame. So this is Peter mm-hmm. Madsen we're talking about. Mm-hmm. He was kind of the Elon Musk of this area. Would you say that? I think that they mentioned yeah. that in the, yeah. so kind of somebody who's, on the forefront of some tech stuff as in he's building his own rockets. He built three different types. I mean, he built three different submarines. The Nautilus mm-hmm. was the biggest and most recent kind of a, I don't know, a, not a genius. That's not the right word, but kind of a guy that didn't really take no for an answer. Like who's really out there thinking about, oh, I'm going to build my own rockets or mm-hmm. my own submarine. So he was kind of a guy that was used to, kind of finding a way to do things without, you know, government help or, you know, he kind of didn't have to adhere to some of those kind of regulations and whatever they even exist. This might be outside of what, you know, government regulation kind of has in store. So, Mm -hmm. but anyway, he was well known. He was, he'd been around for, um, you know, some time, you know, so I think that that kind of played into the fact that he was quote unquote known to the public. So, right. He was. It's difficult, yeah, because like I said, I don't want to glorify him, but I think that he had proven himself in some ways as a public figure. So yes, I think when she 
figured out that um, she was writing a story for Wired magazine, mm-hmm. she was unconcerned about being right. alone with this guy. He wasn't identified as a criminal. He just was a bit eccentric. I think that's probably what mm-hmm. I've been looking for this whole time. Yeah. That is the word they use the most. Eccentric. Yeah. yeah. But not dangerous. Um, there was really no sense of danger. So she'd done an interview with him on shore and then he invites her to come along on the Nautilus. And that's really where the shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say right up front, and this is not victim blaming in any way. Mm-hmm. I would have never set foot on that fucking submarine. It has nothing to do with him at all. <laughs> right. You could have had the president running it, but I am so claustrophobic that just the idea of going in there gave me anxiety. Mm-mm. Yes. But I think that this is a story that's right kind of alongside the sort of the fringe, you know, kind of weird mm-hmm. stuff that attracted her. Um, you know, she's not doing mainstream stories. She's doing interesting people and, you know, people mm-hmm. who don't really follow the norm and that kind of stuff. So I think that that's sort of what would have attracted her to this guy that's building his own submarines. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So August 10th, 2017, she goes to the submarine. First, there's like a going away party for her and her boyfriend because they are moving to China soon, as I said. Mm-hmm. She leaves the party early and she goes to the submarine and they take off. Now, mm-hmm. there are videos of her waving from the submarine as they leave. She's texting mm-hmm. her boyfriend. Yes. You know, until they submerge. She's able to text, I think, until they submerge. Yeah. And the idea is that she's going to be on a couple hours. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of a little tool around to see how this sucker works and, you know, kind of a firsthand experience of what it's all about is the impression that I got. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts to get a little later in the evening. It's 10, it's 1030. The boyfriend hasn't heard from her. She's not back yet. And he's right. like starting to get weirded out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he calls the Coast Guard at about 2.30. Mm-hmm. And at 3.30, the police begin their search. Mm-hmm. For a possible accident at sea, right? So the mm-hmm. first thing they're look, thinking is, this submarine has disappeared. Did it sink and didn't come back up? Are we right. looking for some some bad accident at sea? Yes. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that are notified for this, right? Obviously, the police may not be the best of searchers. So that's when they get the Royal Danish Navy and somebody named... Dita Dyerborg. I called her Dee Dee. Okay. I don't know why, it, but that's kind of how I was reading it. Also, I will say, number one, this is my favorite person of this whole to do. Because I know. I love her. She keeps saying, nope, that's not right. That's not how submarines work. Thanks a lot. Like, thanks for right. playing. You're fucked. I, that's, that was my woman, favorite of the whole thing. Yes. This woman knows her shit, right? She's yes. been doing this for a while. She mentioned that... About 10, I don't know, 20 years previously, he had talked about building maybe the first sub that he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And he had talked to her at some point, And she's like, mm-hmm. can I see the schematics? Yeah. He gives her the schematics. And she's like, this is too fucking heavy. Like, you yeah. go down too far. You're not coming back up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so when she gets the call that there's a sub missing, and it was a privately owned sub. And she's like, there's only one person who has a privately owned sub. Right. right? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, it finally fucking happened. He finally sank it. Yeah, so she has initial real concerns about the seaworthiness of this. And so mm-hmm. as the lieutenant commander of the Royal Danish Navy, yeah, that's one of the first points of contact. And how mm-hmm. convenient that she already has some firsthand knowledge of this <laughs> bullshit. So, yeah, right? I, I agree with you. And throughout this, there are several times they're talking to him and he's giving these elaborate explanations, like so much technical detail to try to you know, make it so these people can't question what he's saying because they Mm -hmm. wouldn't possibly know. But she does know. And that's what I love Mm -hmm. about her. Because every time he would give some explanation, they would call her and she's like, fucking no, 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 no. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, he's a technical, this is Peter I'm talking about. He's Mm -hmm. technical enough that he is able to kind of possibly sway somebody with the details, right? And they're like, oh, that sounds, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, that sounds legit. I mean, there's possibly comes across as a story that's got enough detail to be plausible. And she comes in, she's just like a bucket of cold water all over his head the whole fucking time. And I love it so much. So yeah, I liked her a lot. There's also the guy that's the head of the Naval diving unit and that's Lars Peterson. Mm -hmm. And he's probably the other big technological person of this. So they're the ones that do a lot of the diving and, searching of things so you sort of have the machinery people and like the diving Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and they're kind of hooked up to try to 
do what they can to find this missing sub. Mm -hmm. That's sort of where we're at at this point when the searching starts. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're searching for a a missing sub Mm -hmm. and they get a call at about 1030 in the morning and it's, it's Peter. And he's like, don't worry. Everyone's okay. Mm -hmm. Everyone on board is okay. It's yeah. Everything's cool. You can just go on back home. (laughs) And so they're like, okay, sweet. And so, you know, they kind of start to turn around and a couple minutes later, they get another call stating that the sub is sinking and then he jumps out like abandoned ship as it were. Yes. And so I think this is, this starts to be where Didi kind of gets the sense that shit Mm. ain't right, you know, because he leaves the hatch open. Mm-hmm. And that's not a thing. Like, that's sort of against protocol if I'm, you know, that's the sense that I got from it. But also how weird to be like, we good. Oh, we not good. You know, I mean, like. Right. She's sort of And the, she said that he, at that point, he could yeah. have saved it. So he intentionally sunk it because she's like, there's no way it would have sunk like that. You can still save it. It's still up above water, right? Right. And again, he didn't close that hatch, which is like, yeah. so. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah, so she goes to the police right away, and they're like, well, we can't really arrest him, Mm -hmm. because they found him, right? He jumped out, and he's like, I'm the only one. Don't worry about anything else. And sort of, like, vague about what has happened to Kim. Well, his first story, right? His first story is, oh, I dropped her off last night (laughs) by her house, by where she lives. I dropped her back off. It was just me on the sub. So I like the idea that a submarine gets close enough to land that she like, what kind of situation are you just like, yeah, just shoved her old ass off the, on the pier. I mean, like this thing doesn't, you know what I mean? There's a lot going on there to think, how did that happen? I don't know. That's the point where I was like, but what's funny is they're talking about a lot of people are like, okay, so they're separating these stories now. Right. So they're like, okay, Kim's still missing, but she got dropped off. So they think something happened to her after she's dropped off. But then he also had this weird thing happen. What are the odds in the safest country in the world that two completely separate weird incidents like that happen at the same time? Right. I mean, I'm not a statistician. I'm (laughs) guessing they're pretty low. (laughs) Well, I mean, and the timeline for this, it's pretty quick, right? Like a, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of time elapsing between, you know, the sub is missing. He is found. He is arrested because they're able to prove pretty quickly that he did not drop her off where he said he did, because there's somebody that owns that space and they had a um, CCTV yeah, camera mm-hmm. and they were like, we didn't see anything. Like we looked over the footage. So I think that that's handy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're able to prove like no, and so that at this point they go ahead and arrest him because it's like really sketch, dude. yeah, total sketch. But they need a lot to really convict, right? So they need more evidence. Mm. Oh yeah. But something of note is the fact that they also had a Swedish police officer on here. I did not catch his name, but both Sweden and Denmark were investigating this crime for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, she is a Swedish citizen living in Denmark. She was in Denmark when she left. But that water between the two countries, I think they both kind of had jurisdiction over it. Mm-hmm. So they were working together to try to solve the crime, which is unheard of here that right. anyone would work with anyone else. But they were really trying to use both sets of expertise to get it done. I think that might be Matthias. That's a great name. M-A-T-T-I-A-S. Again, here we are with pronunciations of shit we just will not be able to handle. Yeah. His last name is Sigfridson. And I was like, oh, I'm going to write that down because I think I can do that one. <laughs> I probably still butchered it. But nonetheless, yeah, he's the deputy chief of police mm-hmm. for Malmo, Sweden. So mm-hmm. I think that might be the gentleman that you're talking yep. about. But a lot of times it they is. don't say these names or these people say them so quickly. And I'm like, mm, right. I'm that. Slow yeah. that down. <laughs> yes. But that was, I mean, and he's not a huge part of this, but it was mm-hmm. interesting that he discussed how they were both working on it. And that to me, it's like, wow cooperation what is that like yeah hmm yeah foreign so august 13th now this is three days after she disappeared they decide they need to get the submarine they need to get it back up Mm -hmm. so they were able to retrieve it they have this huge ship and cranes to pull this submarine that's full of fucking water right right yeah and they get it up and they get it on land and then poor Dee Dee had to get in the sub. Now, she is not a small woman, bless her no. heart, 
mm-hmm. would have got stuck in there as well. She was like, I had to shimmy my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but she got in and she noticed very quickly that there appeared to be flesh. There was liquid that appeared to be have blood in it. Mm-hmm. So even though he did his best to try to hide all the evidence, mm-hmm. he was not successful. Well, even the point that there were her clothes were found in there too. Yeah. So I mean, her like jacket. Yeah. yeah. So you're starting to see. Well, he scuttled the ship or whatever. There was some rationale behind that. It wasn't just oops. You know, I think that that's pretty interesting. And then there's also some commentary from a guy named Thomas Jersing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Peter's biographer, and he was saying, like, from the footage, because a lot of this is captured on camera, that Peter was sort of very blasé about the boat having sunk. And this is sort of the crown jewel of his whole to-do, and it was surprising to somebody who had spoken to him quite a bit about his, you know, pursuits, that he was just so like, yeah, it's fine, I just have to tweak a couple things, you know, it was a valve issue or whatever, instead of being like... It was the end of the world because, you know, mm-hmm. there were other instances where Peter was really gung-ho about this. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So, yeah. you know, the pe- people that are close to him are like, eh, I don't feel great about a lot of this. Yeah. So August 21st, the police find a torso of a woman. Just mm-hmm. a torso. No head, no legs, no arms. Yeah. DNA determines it is Kim Wall. Yeah. So Peter's got a new story now. Yeah. Didn't drop her off. So his new story was an accident happened Mm -hmm. that he was unable to hold the hatch and it Mm -hmm. fell and hit her head and killed her. Right on. Mm -hmm. Yep. But we don't have the head, so we can't (laughs) determine that that's true or not. Mm -hmm. Right. He said that he panicked and gave her a funeral at sea. Mm -hmm. Some interesting things missing in that explanation there, Pete. Yeah. Never once discussed why she was no longer intact or clothed. That was another one. Yeah. I mean, it's harder to cut through with clothes. I don't know. I guess, but he gave a lot of detail about what happened. I think we've determined from other cases, sometimes when you give more detail than what is necessary, than what's being asked, Mm -hmm. it's above and beyond. It tends to be not true. Right. But without head again, they can't determine the cause of death. So this is where this investigation to me, really differentiates itself from something that would happen here. Unless it were a rich white person. (laughs) Okay. She was a white person, but there everyone is. It's fairly monochromatic out there, I'm guessing. They begin to dive in the sound, looking for the rest of the body parts, right? Right. You have the Royal Navy Mm -hmm. diving for body parts. Yeah. The time and the cost it must have taken to do this, I can't even imagine. Yeah, they say that they're diving for about a month. And they give some statistics on how many Mm -hmm. dives and how long, like, a number of hours, like, man hours that were used Mm -hmm. to do this. And I agree with you. Like, I think in a country where you have, I I suspect there are fewer murders. That's sort of the impression they gave you. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, For the whole thing. Yeah. So they're unable to find what they're looking for. Now, there's also some discussion about, this is, like murky water so it's not as easy as like well we go down and we can see like for miles around like it's a lot Mm of it's very picking yes but they are smart enough to kind of reassess and they bring in an expert in danish currents like so he's an oceanographer yeah yeah um, Mm -hmm. a guy that comes in and he's like all right here's where i think that you should search and they do they kind of change it up a little bit right so they discuss that on october 6th at mm-hmm. this point, they've been searching for 56 days. Yeah. They had 50 divers. They've done about 3,500 separate dives Jesus. and covered okay. about 200 acres. Sure. But once they brought Torben, Torben Vang, who was the oceanographer on board, he was able to kind of, they, they plotted and charted where the submarine had been, where it was possible for them to dump the currents and all the shit. Can we say triangulate? I feel like there's a, there was some triangulation. <laughs> yes, that happened. absolutely okay. triangulating. <laughs> And once they brought him in, they got their first hit, like almost immediately. Yeah. The divers sent up the signal and they were like, Ooh. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good day. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be defeating. You got, I mean, two months in and nothing. Why, and you keep going out every day. That's got to be. Ugh. What do you think Peter thought of this time? He was like, 
yeah, fuckers can't find anything, can ya? And then you're like, ooh, you're going to get your comeuppance, and I love it so much. And that's it, is he thinks he's smarter than everybody. He's sure one of those does. people, and we see this all the time, where they're like, I'm too smart. No one can figure this out. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's it's uh, it's disgusting. But yeah, they yep. find the head, and guess what? There's no sign of trauma. Zero fracture. Other than the fact that it had been removed from the body. Yes. That was not the cause of death. Yeah. Yeah. So on January 16th, 2018, Peter is formally indicted on murder charges. Murder of the Mm -hmm. first degree and sexual assault. Yeah. Then there's a journalist. Her name is Julie, I believe. Mm -hmm. She's another freelancer. Yep. Julie Thompson. And she's talking through this and she says, we found out she had been dismembered intentionally and that really changed things. Okay. In what instance are all your body parts coming apart and it's not intentional? If you found an arm, you could say that had mechanically got caught in something and got ripped off. Sure. But all of your parts are off. How is that not intentional? I think what they're saying is, so Peter's story kind of morphs into like, well, here she was, she was dead. And, you know, I, I had to get her out of the boat. So I had to take her apart piece by piece because that's what you do Mm -hmm. with a big problem you cut it into smaller pieces and everybody was horrified about that yeah but I think that they're understanding that that's not really what happened he knew what he was gonna do before they even got on that boat and there's Mm -hmm. some later discussion about he did an interview on camera a few hours before he got on the boat like four or five hours before he got on the boat Mm -hmm. and he there was a saw in the background orange handled saw And then there's footage of him walking to the sub and he has the saw in his hand. And then Mm -hmm. they find the saw, I think, in the sub. So there's sort of a arc Mm storyline that's kind of pointing out like he took that with him for a reason. There's no sawing that needs to be occurring in the sub. Right. So he did that on purpose. And I think that's sort of what they're referring to is like this was not like an accidental thing where he just accidental death and he was cleaning it up. Which is still not great, even if that no. had been the narrative. But they're even saying, like, look, he did. He knew yeah. what he was going to do. Well, yeah, they had, he had taken Jesus. pipes and stuff specifically in to weigh down the bags and bags. Yes. All these things that you don't need on a submarine, he was taking on a submarine. And that proves intent. It's interesting because Pete's friends are starting to... Because at first they're like, okay, he's crazy. He's eccentric, but he's not, yes. like, he's not like murder crazy. He's like yes. weird crazy. Yeah. And now they're like... Oh shit, he is murder crazy. Yeah. I think Thomas was the one who said, we allowed him to be manipulative and narcissistic because he had a great vision. And so we allowed him to be this way. I agree. I just, I mean, there's a lot of, what do you want to call it? A lot of projection as we go in this thing by people who knew him. Like, I assume that that's pretty common for people to like, were there signs? Should we have Mm -hmm. known? Is there any indication? And I don't. Right. I don't think so because he was hiding a lot of this, you know, as we kind of mm-hmm. get through there and you're not going to tell your work buddies about your like weird sex stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to be part of it. I think that Mm-mm. there were a few things that poked through here and there, but I don't think it's their responsibility to have known. Right. But I think there's a lot of projection on him. Like there was one comment where somebody was in the courtroom and they looked at him and felt like he was challenging him with their eyes. And I'm just like, okay, like, Okay, maybe not. Maybe we're looking a little too hard there. Right. I don't know. It's just one of those things that, yeah, everyone I think goes back and and thinks, would I have seen it? Could I have seen it? Did I miss something? Because then you feel a little bit responsible. Like, how did I not know this person? Yes. But they're very good at hiding who they are. And a lot of these guys were men. I mean, they talked to very few women who, I mean, I don't know Mm -hmm. if he worked with any women, but there were some women in his life who had been creeped out by him a couple times. Mm -hmm. And those come out during the trial as well. Right. So on March 8th, 2018, the trial of Peter Madsen begins. Mm-hmm. He now has a new story. This oh, yeah. Story number number three. Mm-hmm. That Kim had died of carbon monoxide poisoning down in the sub while he was on top. The hatch was stuck so he couldn't get in and save right. her. Mm-hmm. Again, Dee Dee's called <laughs> and she poo-poos that idea. Yeah, because it's like not at that pressure, not at that you know there's no cause for this and it's where they still have the sub so i mean i'm sure they did a bunch of diagnostics to see what systems were working and Mm 
mm-hmm. stuff like that. They don't expressly talk about that. So maybe that's just me hoping that they did their due diligence to check on that kind of stuff. But I do like the fact that again, she's yeah. In in here going, that's fucking stupid. (laughs) Right. But he uses so much technical. I mean, even, I think it was even Thomas, he was at the court. Yeah. And even he said that it's so technical and he gets Mm -hmm. into the minutia so much that everyone's like, Oh yeah, that's totally plausible. Right. Cause they Mm -hmm. don't know any different. And if you say stuff like that with confidence, he could have been making words up for all they fucking knew. Yeah. Threeve. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, but Didi knew and she was like, no, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. Something that, that Trina said, Trina was another, a journalist, like a legal correspondent. Yes. They talked to her quite a bit Mm -hmm. and she said, you can lie as many times as you want. It is legal to lie and you can switch your stories as many times as you like. So that's very different from our system where they tell you you're supposed to be truthful <laughs> and you swear in a Bible, assuming that you're Christian, that yeah. you're going to be truthful. And if you're mm-hmm. not, then you can get arrested here. They're like, we don't care. You can say whatever you want. I think it's interesting because this is also kind of goes into this like, well, why did you change your story? And he was like, oh, I'm kind of trying to protect her parents. Yeah, that was the biggest little bullshit, right? He wanted to project a quick death, so they mm-hmm. felt like she didn't suffer. But I'm like, I mean, <laughs> they're going to follow this thing throughout, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. they're going to hear this nugget and be like, oh, well, I'm satisfied. Thanks for letting us know. Peace late. You know, like, so much better. We're out. Yeah. You know, I just I don't understand, like, what his... I mean, maybe this is good that I don't understand how a narcissist douchebag thinks, right? Mm-hmm. But he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to give this <laughs> stupid line of shit. And they're going to be, like, satisfied with that. Oh, we good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Me thanks. Good. Unbelievable. He says it with such conviction that it must be true, right? But he's, they find out, they get his computer, they get his phone, they get this information. Ugh. That yeah. he was searching terms on his phone, like beheading girl in agony right before the murder. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. So someone mentioned, so it was planned, but not planned well. <laughs> but he thought it was planned meticulously, I'm sure. And but no I mean, one would have figured it out. That's that's why I keep coming back to. So it, it even starts at the beginning, like... The people in her life know where she's going. They have video mm-hmm. of her being like, later, you know, she's mm-hmm. on the boat with him. He's in the pictures with her. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to just sleep through the night and be like, well, everything must be fine. I just, the, the execution of this is so hammy is, you know what I mean? Like the thing with the saw, like that seems stupid or like, oh, I totally dropped her off. Okay. You know what I mean? It's just the whole thing is like, it's for somebody who's so smart, it's just executed so poorly. Yeah. Um, it's almost laughable. Yeah. So I don't know. I wonder. So they discuss how he was like on his computer. He had snuff films and that, that he was watching. Yeah. So do we think that maybe, cause listen, throughout this, they don't really have a good explanation as to why he decided to do this. Right. He seemed mm-hmm. like a normal human. And, and then all of a sudden he wasn't right. And do we think that maybe if he was watching this and getting turned on by it and he was so desperate to do that himself that he just didn't take the time to plan a part? Because it seemed like they had discussed that he had tried to get a few other girls before yes. he got Kim. Yeah. And he was not successful in getting someone else onto the submarine mm-hmm. that maybe he had just had just taken too long and he got desperate. And I also think that there's an element of this that he was like, I am a good enough liar or whatever that I'll be able to talk my way out of this. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, coming back around to this thing where he thought he would be able to weasel his way out of it. Like I'll just drown him in details of, you know, a story or whatever, and I'll just go for it. I think it's really funny to be like, you have a detail, you know, kind of a, a brain that handles, you know, details and you can follow like, well, these all things have to line up so I can launch this rocket or whatever, mm-hmm. but you can't think through the fact that you're going to have to have a good story for how there was someone alive on your boat. And we have pictures of that. And then someone washes up on shore <laughs> later and it's like, Oh yeah. So I guess I had to get rid of her body. Like, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that he, thought he could get away with it. I think that's the oh, why. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure he did. He, why he did it. I just I for it to be so sloppy, I just feel like there has to be more I don't know. 
yeah, I mean, it's possible that he had these, I mean, they talked to a young lady who talks about he had invited her on the boat and it was really funny because he was all about her taking other people with her. Like she was, you know, she had a boyfriend or whatever and children and he was like, yeah, yeah, bring whoever you want. And then day of or whatever, he was like, no, no, you can't bring anybody else. And she was like, that's not what we've been talking about. So she Mm -hmm. kind of bailed Mm -hmm. and then, you know, they kind of show her she's kept anonymous, but obviously she's horrified because she's like, this could have been me. Mm Mm-hmm. And they show a lot of weird fucking texts that he sent her. And they're all like, I'm a loving psychopath. And I'm like, all right, Barf City. Like, gross. Calm down. Yeah. He does get on the stand in defense of himself. And they discuss that mostly what he talked about was how horrible this all was for him. And, you know, because he wasn't able to go home and he wasn't able to be with his cats. And he wasn't able to. Absolutely zero remorse about what happened to Kim or the family. Yeah. It's just, look at how horrible this is for me, which we do see from psychopaths quite often, right? Yeah, absolutely. I do like the thing where he's like, you know what's really going to play well? I can't go home to my cats. (laughs) Everybody loves cats. You know what I mean? (laughs) I do hope those sweet kitties, somebody's watching them because obviously they need some TLC Mm -hmm. because their dad's a nut job. But Yeah. yeah, to think like... That's what I'm saying. Like, I think all of this, everything he said from the moment this was discovered was by design, but it's just poorly done. Like Mm -hmm. once he gets beyond the very technical, he's like, has no idea what he's fucking doing. I think people like that, if you have very little empathy or emotion (laughs) or remorse, it's hard for you to understand how other people would feel that way. right? Right. So you're just trying to act out what you feel like people want to see. And you're failing. Yeah, you're a robot. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, what would a person do and say at right. this point? And you just right. guess a little wrong that actual mm-hmm. people are like, mm, mm, mm. no. Just a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to bring up Annie Gright. Shit. Shoot. Yes. Anyway, Anne, A-N-N-E, we'll call her Anne. She's the courtroom sketch artist. Yeah. Can I ask in this day and age of technological marvels of cameras on your phone and whatnot. Why do we still have sketch artists? I'm not trying to talk out of a job. I just don't get it. Well, at first they said one of the first hearings that there weren't journalists allowed in the courtroom. And then for the trial, I'm not sure if you're aware, but journalists aren't the only ones who own cameras. It's possible for other people who work for the court to to also have have cameras. Well, I guess I was thinking like, I don't know who's, uh, I don't know what the rules are. I feel like there's probably some kind of rules for like, you can't just, it's not like a concert. You can't just like have your phone up the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, what did he say? What did he say? You know, I don't know. I just feel like, again, if you had someone who worked for the court, who knew the rules (laughs) and could abide by them, it wouldn't publish anything. Like they could blur out faces or whatever. Right, right. Good with the Photoshop. It just seems weird to have a courtroom sketch (sighs) artist. I don't know. I mean... You raise an excellent, an excellent point. I'd like to counter with this thing of, I like that people are trying to stay anonymous in this. Like mm-hmm. he was married mm-hmm. and she was not at the trial. She divorced his dumb ass, which is great, but she chose to remain anonymous. And I'm like, yeah, she fucking did. How does that work? Like there's not a Public record record. of who she was. So mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, they may do things differently there, I guess. But I'm like, he wasn't ever photographed with a mystery woman that we could do one Google search and figure out who she was. Right. And she was, yeah, she was called to trial, but she was able to to get let off. I'm assuming similar to here, you can't be forced to testify against your spouse. And I'm probably yeah. the same there. Yeah. But I just, I mean, that was, that was something that occurred to me because there was a couple mention of this person was anonymous or that person was anonymous. And I'm like, that's great. But mm-hmm. the wife, I'm like, there's not a record of her. And they didn't mention who she was. And that's fine. This is not on her to fix or to represent or whatever. That's not what I'm mm-hmm. saying. I'm just saying I think it's interesting that she was able to remain anonymous. Right. Yeah. And it was an open relationship, at least yep. on his side. We don't know about her side. Right. Apparently, he went to a lot of different fetish parties and such. And they do talk to, like, they brought several women into the yep. trial. And they do talk to them. And most of them say he was very gentlemanly he adhered Mm -hmm. to the rules involved with the fetish play and that's surprising like they were all surprised by his violent this violent 
act because they were like, he never showed violence tendencies. Now, that's not to say that other people outside mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. fetish world didn't say that, oh, he could turn on a dime. Mm-hmm. So it's such a dichotomy of who he was, right? Yeah. They also mentioned that the woman that felt very threatened by him and was invited on the ship or on the mm-hmm. sub and did not go he shared a lot of darker thoughts with her. And so it was sort of mentioned that she really couldn't threaten him in any way. I don't know if maybe at the fetish parties, like those were more closely observed, like, you know I mean? Like it was more open or something like there was some accountability Mm -hmm. for his actions there. So he would like kind of keep it in check, but like outside of that, right. Maybe that was not such the case. So, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I thought it was interesting that there were some women that came forward and some had, you know, nice things to say about him and some had not nice things to say about him. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. (laughs) It's it's just really hard to say. Yeah. So Thomas was his biographer and he also started writing Peter in jail because he really wanted to get to the truth, right? He felt betrayed. He felt right. I wrote this story about you and this was all bullshit. Well, I think he, yeah, he felt. Yeah, that he had been kind of bamboozled, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I think it's okay to say that you were writing from a certain viewpoint about Mm -hmm. his success in, you know, this technological stuff. Right. I think it's funny that he sort of felt the responsibility to have known everything. Um, So I'm like, I think it's really sweet that he was like, well, I, you know, I spent a ton of time with him. I would consider him a friend. And, you know, here we are. So kind of crazy. So he talks about the letters going back and forth. He realizes at a certain point, Peter's just playing a game with him, right? But every now and then (laughs) there's a nugget, a nugget of truthful information. But they actually have voice recordings as well. The the movie director, producers, whomever, went to the prison and talked to him a couple of times. One of them, he said, what would you have to do to a boy to make him commit a crime like the one I committed on August Mm -hmm. 10th, 2017? And again... He's taken zero responsibility for his actions. Yeah. I don't know what happened to him as a child. They don't really go into it. They just say that he, I mean, he was the only child of his father. His father was actually worked in Nazi Germany. That's neat. And his mother was like 36 years younger than his father. So she was young. He was fucking geriatric. (laughs) And then when they split, he had to live with his father and wasn't allowed to see his mom again. Mm -hmm. Now, he says... That's fine. There was no, there was no reason for him to stay with her. She was stupid. She was useless, blah, blah, blah. But how much of that is a defense mechanism? Like you feel like she didn't save you from this man who was not nice. And now you blame her and possibly other women and take it out on them. Right. And he was awfully young. So six, I think they mentioned. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know how much of that is absorbing what his dad had to say. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of talk at this point. Like, does he hate women? you know, because of what happened with his mom or whatever. And they, mm-hmm. there's not a lot to support that. It's just sort of a couple statements here and there. Right. And it's just me speculating. You oh, know, yeah. If you're not allowed to see your mom. You a lot of times think of, well, why didn't she try to see me? And she very well might have. Yeah. She might have been kept away. This could have been yep. the father. Yeah. That you then, as a defense, would be like, well, I didn't want to fucking see her anyway. You know? Yeah. It is interesting. I like the way Thomas talks about it. He sent him a very brief letter. And it's like, Hey, what gives? And then <laughs> Peter sends back this like crazy handwritten 10 page letter to which Thomas is like, look, as a journalist, if you get a handwritten letter, you're just like, these are the kooks. We're yep. not going to, you know, and so he almost tossed it out. Then he realized it was Peter, a bit of a diatribe on his part. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe you want to write another book, you know, like mm-hmm. winky face. And I'm just like, oh, gross. So to Thomas's credit, he's just like, this is all a bunch of bullshit, but there are a few lines throughout that he's like, maybe this is legit. Maybe this is him messing up, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, and letting a little bit through. Yeah. So they did talk about he was watching snuff films 24 hours before going out with Kim. Yeah. So a couple of our journalist friends, you know, were talking about Kim, but one of them had said that, it, you know, it's it's hard to be a journalist. There are a lot of hostilities. We see a yes. lot of stories about journalists getting mm-hmm. killed, beheaded. A lot of female journalists have problems. And they're like, this is a probably a kind of part of that. And all I could think of was, but I don't think her being a journalist had anything to do with this. Oh, I don't either. This is more about violence against women in general. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that she was a journalist was mm-hmm. just 
a side thing. That's what got her onto the ship, but or the sub, but he would have done it to another woman. She didn't have to be a journalist. Right. I think it is really un- unfortunate that she was trying to do a job mm-hmm. and he capitalized on that. Mm-hmm. She was really dedicated to her craft. She was very good. Um, people thought that she really had a lot more to say. I mean, that was a lot of the message that she got later that she had a unique viewpoint. She was really good at kind of bringing untold stories forward mm-hmm. and she would have made a difference in the world. And they also talked a lot about being annoyed for the coverage of this because they talked about him ad nauseum, like how wonderful yep. he had been. And like I said, he was established and I think she was mm-hmm. a bit of an up and comer, but he like, you know, snuffed out her light. And I think that's so gross. And they, you know, just a lot of the people in her life were like, it was so one-sided in coverage in that way. So. Right. We do see that a lot where they cover yeah. the, yeah. the act the person who did the killing and very mm-hmm. rarely discuss the person who was murdered and they're only right. known by how they died yes. and they don't discuss their life and they mm-hmm. don't discuss who they were. Mm-hmm. And that's, that needs to change because mm-hmm. the people that do the murdering a lot of times, and in this case as well, they want the attention. Yeah. They want that. Did he want to get caught? No. Cause he thought he was smart enough that he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. However, he's now the center of attention again and he's happy with that. Yeah. And especially since, you know, she was not, I will say, a babe in the woods. Like, mm-hmm. she had been in difficult situations before. They had done all that training, like, mm-hmm. kidnapping situations or a ransom situation. I mean, she had kind of done some of that as part of her uh, training to be a free, freelance journalist. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I wish that had served her in this case. I mean, like, again, I don't think it had anything to do with her being a journalist. I think she just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the other women who were freelance journalists would have said, they all said, I would not have thought twice about getting on that ship either. Mm-hmm. It's your job. You do it. Yeah. Yeah. This was not one of those situations that you're going in with like, okay, do I have an escape plan or whatever? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I also thought it was really interesting as they kept talking about him and why he did it. And it's like, well, his other pursuits weren't going real well. So I guess I'm going to kill somebody. Like that was really annoying too. Yeah. He said that, right? He said, so he was at one company and he was no longer the center of attention. Yeah. The Copenhagen suborbitals, which was the rocket. Yeah. Yeah. So he left and made... Mm -hmm. R M was it RMS Rocket Rocket Madsen. Madsen Labs or whatever yeah yeah and so we started to realize that these rockets weren't going to work right and he said that started off a life crisis that ended when Kim died well how convenient for him that she was able to serve him in that way I mean it's fucking just, buy a Corvette dude. oh so annoying <laughs> God, yeah that he yeah. just he wasn't on top anymore and so he needed to feel power reassert yeah and so I was just like oh it's so frustrating to Mm-mm. so there are no direct interviews with him and that's fine because he's in jail but there are is a lot of his viewpoint and shit he said and whatever and it's just right. like he just misses the point the whole time he does Thomas mm-hmm. explains that Peter is an unreliable narrator of yeah. his own story because although he might not be telling direct lies He's always going to tell the story in a way that benefits him. Yeah. And a biographer would know that. Yeah. Yeah. He uses all the good words to set himself mm-hmm. up in the best possible light. Yep. Yep. So prosecutors present results of a psyche eval. They say he has a severe lack of empathy, remorse, or sense of guilt. He's a psychopath with narcissistic traits and deviant sexuality. He sounds lovely. Yeah, he seems like a peach. And they say he can't be let out because he's prepared to do it again. He has no remorse and he's just like, let's go, let's go again. (laughs) But because of that, then people start to question, has he already done it? This seems like an extreme first crime, right? Yes. So they start to look into, both in Sweden and Denmark, start looking into other unsolved cases, any violent cases against women, specifically rapes, murders, and look at his DNA and see mm-hmm. if they can link it to any. And they were unable to. I mean, they checked all of the cases. Good for them. But they weren't able to link it to any thus far. Yeah. And so there's a lot of speculation from the authorities involved that, like, this probably wasn't a first go round. Yeah. But at this point, they're mm-hmm. not able to prove anything. 
did mm-hmm. like, too, that they talked about the sentence that he got. Yeah. As he was found guilty, thankfully, I guess. You know, taking nothing for granted here. But he got life in prison, mm-hmm. which even there is not really a life in, you know, a whole life. It's like, um, on average, 16 years is, I think, what Trina said. Trina said, yeah. After yeah. 12 years, you can apply mm-hmm. for parole. She said the average for a life sentence is 16 years. But she did say for somebody who's only killed one person, it's very rare to get that. But, you know, the judge mm-hmm. really saw through what he was all about and kind of put that down on him, you know, mm-hmm. kind of in an unusual way, I suppose. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what will happen to old Peter. Well, he, he did escape after. <laughs> so in October he 20th, 2020, he had spent 30 months in prison. He escaped, like they have video of him running out and people after him going, stop, stop. Like they're running after him. It's right, horrible. like screaming at him, guys. <laughs> it is kind of funny because you're like, what the fuck is happening right here? So, um, yeah. It's it's kind of hilarious. He, I guess, had fashioned some sort of weapon while he was there and threatened yes. a guard with it and then ran yep. off. And uh, they did track him pretty quickly. They found him. He's just laying in the grass. Someone described like a wounded animal. Right. Well, they have sharpshooters like kind of eyeballing yeah. him. You know what I mean? So he's, yeah. He never really got away from anybody. It was just sort of a attention seeking, as yes. well. They described it. Yes. Yeah. But after that, apparently, I'm guessing he's back in prison and will stay there hopefully for the rest of his life. That's what I was thinking. Like, it'd be interesting to understand what the consequences of the escape like if he had gone and just served time quietly and you know done the good behavior route or whatever would he have been eligible for parole in the 12 to 16 years or whatever that Trini was saying or you know now he's kind of I don't know shot himself in the foot basically is is what I want to say and I'll be interested to see how it how it progresses yeah. So. Well, and in theory, if he was he was convicted in 2018, yeah. So he'd be eligible to apply for parole in 2030. So mm-hmm. we just kind of have to keep an eye and probably have forgotten by then. Listen, I don't know what I had for breakfast today, so don't ask me <laughs> to remember that. But yeah, maybe it'll be a big enough news story that we'll see. It. I'll remember. Yeah, I mean the people in Kim's life. They don't seem like shrinking violets. I feel like they'll mm-hmm. be on top of the situation. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that they can lobby to keep him in longer. I don't know if it works the same way there as it does here. But like I said, I, I kind of think that he has shown them who he is in a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. So I just, I hope they don't let him out because he doesn't deserve it, obviously. But, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be harder to me like, oh, yeah, I totally, I served my time and I like whatever. So, yep, my bad. Yeah. So speaking of her friends and family, I mm-hmm. really appreciate her family. They have like kind of archival footage of them, but they did not mm-hmm. get interviewed for this. Yeah. They created the Kim Wall Memorial Fund to support other female journalists. And they've kind of gone out of their way. They've, they had um, a remembrance at Columbia University, but they've really done a good job of putting out there who she was. So she's not remembered for her death. Yeah. for her life and yeah. they worked hard to make sure she's remembered for her life yeah and I think that's amazing because it's it's easy in a time of sorrow like that to just shrink away mm-hmm. and not try not to think of it at all and try not to mm-hmm. remember it for a while to make the pain get better but during that time they actually were able to just remember her life and how amazing she was and the potential she had yeah and put that out in the world so good for yeah. them yeah, I agree. I thought it was cool that they showed the scholarship in the Recipient. first year, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The person that won it and that, you know, that person kind of gave a little speech. And so, it, I don't know, just seemed like a little bit of closure. I'm not sure if that's ever really possible, but mm-hmm. at least for the documentary's purposes, right? you know, to, to hear that person talking, you know, I don't know. That was good. In a crime like this, I don't think you can have closure because yeah. it was such a senseless crime. It wasn't like oh, I I broke into your house and you caught me and I killed you. There was really absolutely no reason for it other than his own perverse pleasure. Right. So there's no way to have good closure for that. Right, right. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of elements in this that I think caused it to be really sensational. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a great documentary. I I thought it was good. It's an amazing story. Let's, the human 
element out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great true crime story. It's just really sad. (laughs) It's just so sad. It is a fantastical kind of true crime story. Like Mm -hmm. you couldn't have imagined, I couldn't have imagined this type of murder crime, right? Yeah, yeah. Truth is stranger than fiction. I think this is a really good, yeah, example of, I mean, you couldn't, if somebody tried to write write this, you'd be like, that's stupid. Stupid. (laughs) Stupid. Fantastic. No one is that stupid. They wouldn't have left that on their computer. Right. But I think one of the most amazing aspects of the story isn't the crime itself, but how it was solved and the way that they solved it and how her family reacted and was able to, to Mm -hmm. continue her her legacy but Mm -hmm. I was asking John I said do you think they were able to put forth so much money and effort into this because there are so few Mm -hmm. murders that they're like okay let's solve it versus here we have so many they're like well dude that sucks yeah we gave you 48 hours we're over it now (laughs) we're done we've moved on to the next 10 yeah I'm curious if that really has anything to do with it it has to right because the Royal Navy was involved for two months that that's not cheap I wish they would have covered that. I mean, that would have been interesting. But I mean, if you're Miss Aaron, Aaron Carr, mm-hmm. you know, that would be interesting to know. Like, what are the differences between like the way American crimes are solved or American murders are or are not solved versus, you know, this country where the I mean, they're telling you it's this one of the safest in the world. So, yeah, you're kind of left with this. There are some assumptions, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're spending more time and money on this because they have the ability to do so. Right. But, yeah. And like I said, he's a public figure that may have played into it somewhat. She was a Swedish citizen. Yeah, it was sensationalized, you know, beyond. So, um, yeah, they don't really explore why the effort went into it perhaps it's us just being like that seems like a lot of effort and they were like yeah we do this for everybody which is lovely i hope that that's the case every five murders they're all solved this way yeah oh yeah i hope dd i hope she's in on all of them she's like look i know cars i know (laughs) planes i know submarines so fuck you guys good luck (laughs) good luck murderers you can't fucking get anything past me I love Judy so much. I do too. <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, you're not, you're not getting this past me. Like, it's like, she thought he was an idiot the whole time. Like from <laughs> the first time she talked to him to the yeah. end and she's like, mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sure. Jan. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I love it. Anyway, mm-hmm. she was not to be missed. So let's say that. I also mm-hmm. like Thomas because he walked around in a lot of weird sweater scarf combinations. Um, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> they look very cozy. And not, and not often a hat. And if it's a cold environment, why wouldn't you wear a hat? Because that's where all the heat comes out. I think they're just hardier people than us. Oh, everyone's hardier than me. <laughs> I know that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh-huh. That's all right. I'm the weaker of the errands. Well, Maybe not in mental capacity. I do some really <laughs> stupid shit from time to time. Just like goofy. Yeah. So. So, of course, go watch this documentary. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It is. Only two episodes. An mm-hmm. hour each. Totally do that. And then go watch The Investigation, which uh-huh. is the series on HBO. I think it's, I don't know, six or eight episodes. It is in Danish and Swedish, so it is subtitled. So go learn Danish and Swedish before you watch it. Yes. Or watch the English subtitles. Sorry, it is six episodes. It was done in 2021. And yeah, it's amazing. It's, Mm -hmm. it focuses completely on the investigation of them finding out what happened, but also Mm -hmm. they never once mentioned Peter's name. Never. And I love that. I love that. that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. No more glorification for these douchebags. I'm all all about that. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Let's switch it up a little bit for next week, shall we? We shall. What are we doing next week? Okay. So we're going to do a doc called Dirty Tricks. Um, you can find it on Showtime. Pretty recent release in 2021, running about an hour and 40 minutes, which is, again, our sweet spot, everyone. Mm-hmm. So this is about competitive bridge, like the card game bridge. <laughs> and I am super pumped because I am right on my way to old lady wonderfulness. Yep. yep. So, Yeah. This will be a little bit lower stakes, possibly, than Death on a Submarine. 
That's my I hope. hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just thinking I need to learn bridge, but if there's going to be a whole lot of death involved, I might not might yeah. not be able to pull that off. I haven't seen it yet, but I think that that's where we're headed. Yeah. So we can kind of get into a little bit, uh, a little bit of deep card playing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. I had not heard about this one yet. So uh, I'm pumped. It'll be hopefully lighter and fluffier and... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I have to learn bridge before I watch it or, or maybe just watching it makes me want to learn bridge, but, or maybe I want it all. I don't know. I do love me some cards. I, mm-hmm. I like a Euchre. Uh, we play pounce a lot in my family, which is a fast card game. Mm-hmm. So um, I like the idea of, I don't know, people, I, I don't know. I got to see it. This is funny. Like, is it like poker where you're like wearing sunglasses and like staring <laughs> each other down and trying not to have a tell or whatever? I don't know if there's uh, yeah. betting and stuff and and mm-hmm. bridge or not, but I hope there are snacks. That's that's really the kind of card game that I'm into. Right. Groups of fun people, snacks and drinks. Yes. Yep. I love mm-hmm. it. Okay. So other than that, we will ask you to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Go Dock Yourself, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. And any suggestions you have for documentaries? Listen, we might be running out soon. You don't know. know. (laughs) We're all ears. That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, it's been great. And thanks for joining us today. Yep. Until next week. Later. Bye. Bye.